Hey, uh, I'm so glad to be back with you again, to be uh, speaking, to be continuing this wall series. I appreciate when Dave says nice things like that. Uh, he knows that my ego is fragile, especially after he uh, threw me under the bus and made fun of my beard. And if you notice, it's gone. So uh, many people are thankful that Dave said that, including my wife, but I was kind of liking it for a while. But anyway, um, you know, we're continuing this wall series, and last week Dave set things up, and, and he talked about um, some of the walls that we face in our lives, and, and he, he really just kind of set the stage for us because uh, we, we each have walls, and we're going to be, over the next couple weeks, talking about different walls that each of us face. And the hard thing for me is that when I prepare a message like this, I've got a couple of different options. I can go with a really general message where I talk about a wall that maybe I think that we all can relate to, or I, I, I kind of call it, that's, that's the safe route. Um, and then maybe, just maybe, I might like peel back the onion a little bit and let you know a little bit of what's going on in my life. That's kind of the medium one. And then there's the risky one, the one that I let you know what the wall is in my life. And I trust that you won't think I'm weird, that you won't think that, like, who is this guy? He doesn't belong to be on this stage. He doesn't belong to be in this church. Those are some of the insecurities that I have. And, you know, I wrestled with it a lot. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? God, what do you want me to talk about? And I'm taking the risky route today, okay? I hope that's okay with you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know if you're going to be thinking that in a few minutes, but I appreciate the claps right now. You know, for me, the hardest thing is to admit that I need help. Maybe it's a guy thing. Maybe it's a pride thing. I don't want to pretend for a second that it's only a guy thing, but it's a me thing for sure. You know, my wife would tell you that's not entirely true because I ask for her help all the time when it comes to dishes, laundry, cleaning. Like I, this is kind of like giving away a man thing. At least it's, it's worked for me so well. Um, so far, my father-in-law taught me. You know, I found that my wife is really good at picking that setting on the laundry, you know, like the warm versus the cold, or um, she knows right where the stuff goes, and, and she's just kind of used to doing it. So what I've come to find out really works is just mess it up really bad and you'll never be asked to do it again. It really has happened. I've intentionally, and because we're in church, I'm telling you the truth, I've intentionally messed up the laundry before so my wife wouldn't ask me to do it again. She caught on eventually, and she asked me now, and we get through that together, but it worked for a while. Another thing that I've found to do is ask her to teach me how to do it. I'll say, honey, I forget how to do that. Can you teach me how to do that again? And because my wife has got a teacher background, she's got an education major in college, she loves to teach me how to do things the right way. And it's worked for a little while, but those are just the things that are kind of trivial, more like household stuff, stuff that, you know, it matters, but that's not what I'm talking about. You know, when it comes to serious things, it's hard and almost impossible for me to ask for help or to admit that I have a wall. I don't know what it is, but I would rather struggle by myself and try to fix it, stay up all night 
try to fix it than ask someone else to help me. You know, I don't know what it is, and I want to talk about that with you this morning, my need to handle it by myself, to fix my problems by myself. And I know that like, I'm a hypocrite because the thing that I love to do more than anything else is to help others. I really love to help people. And maybe you're friends with me on Facebook, and I'd love to be friends with you if we're not. Something that I do each Tuesday is I ask if there's anything that I can pray about for you. Because uh, that's kind of a, a big focus for my wife and I this year. We've been praying a lot. And, and so I'll ask, how can I pray for you? And every now and then, I'll get someone that'll say, this is what's going on in my life. How can I pray for you? And I'm like, dang it. Why did you have to ask? I don't want to tell you what to pray for in my life. <clears throat> I can pray about it by myself. Like me and God, we talk. That's good enough for me. I don't want to let you in. And, and I realize how dumb that is, but the thing is that I've found out is that I don't want to let you in because then you might find out how messed up I am, how much I need God, how much I need help. You know, it's no secret to many of you, uh, you've heard this before, and even me talking about it again, I, I don't like it, but you know that my wife's been struggling with her health, and for about a year and a half, we've been dealing with these issues and for the last few months, we just don't know what to do. Uh, we've had CT scans, we've had MRIs, we've had x-rays, we've had ultrasounds, we've had every, I'll edit that next word, test, every test known to man. And nothing is coming back showing any type of results. And I'm so frustrated because I stay up at night looking at these stupid websites trying to figure out what the problem is with my wife. I call people, hey, do you think it could be this? I ask this nurse that I know or this doctor, what's going on with my wife? Can, can you help her? But the truth is I can't fix it. And that eats me alive. It eats me alive that there's nothing that I can do to fix the problem that no one knows what's going on. And Throughout the time, people have asked me the worst question in the history of the world. How are you doing, Josh? I hate that question. Because number one, how are you? Because I know I do this. We've replaced hello with how are you. And when you say how are you, really you're just saying hi and you're on your way. Good, good, good. All right, perfect. Everything's great. That's one thing. And then number two, when someone asks me, how are you doing? I don't think they're prepared for the answer that I'm about to tell them. They're not ready. How are you doing? So what do I do? I keep it to myself. I try to put on a smile and I keep going. Because I'd rather deal with it by myself than burden people with my problem and let them know I'm struggling. But as you probably know, when you keep something in for long enough, or build enough walls in your life, you eventually have to let it out. And it's really hard for me to be honest. But the way that my problems have been coming out, and I'm trusting you, I don't even know you that well, but my problems have been coming out lately through anxiety attacks or panic attacks, whatever you want to call it. 
And it's been happening for the last couple months, and I don't want to tell people about that because that means there's something wrong and I have to deal with it. But on the 4th of July, it was, <laughs> it was such a terrible day. Our air conditioning went out. We had some stressful situations. Our kids wouldn't sleep, you know, all that normal stuff for young families. And I'm putting my son to bed for his nap, and he won't go to sleep. And he, I just say, hey, buddy, you know, we need to go to sleep now because when you wake up, we're going to go to this party, and we're going to have a lot of fun, and we're going to do fireworks, and we're going to go over to Mike and Alicia's, the children's director, and, and we're going to go over to Dave and Casey's. It's going to be awesome. And he wouldn't go to bed. And I don't know what brought it on, but all of a sudden, I started crying. And I'm like sitting there on my son's floor, and I'm crying, and I'm freaking him out. And that's when I knew I needed to ask for help. And so I called my wife. I said, honey, I need you to come home. It was just uh, my sons and I. I called her and I said, I need to start talking to somebody about this because I'm just a mess. I can't fix this by myself. And you know, over the last uh, couple weeks, I've been talking to a lot of people and been having a lot of hard conversations but the thing that I've noticed is that each day it's, it's getting a little bit better. And the truth that I want to talk to you about this morning is that our walls become weaker when we ask for help. I'm going to say that again because I need to hear it. Maybe you do too. Our walls become weaker when we ask for help. For some reason, I've been believing a lie that has put up a wall in my life. The lie is that I can fix it myself. And I think many of us at one time or another have put up a similar wall. I can fix it myself. You can fix it yourself. And you know, maybe it's not just a problem like me. Maybe the it in your life that you're trying to fix is, is a person. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your son or daughter or a brother or sister in your family. Or maybe it's a financial situation or an addiction or it's in your marriage. It's a health issue, a broken relationship, a secret sin. I don't know what it is. I'm just here to tell you, and I know this is so true about many of us, that we're trying to fix our problems by ourselves. And the enemy whispers, and now he'll even say to me, you're an idiot for trusting these people with your problem. You can fix it by yourself. You don't need any help with this. Don't tell anybody about it. You don't need to let anyone know about your struggle. These are the voices that we hear. You don't let anyone know about the situation you're in. They don't wanna help you anyway. They're busy. Give it another few weeks or a few months. You can fix it yourself. You don't need anyone else. God doesn't really care. There's so many other problems in the world. He doesn't care about what you're going through right now. You don't need him anyway. You can fix it yourself. You think about it. Some of the first words a child hears, or excuse me, some of the first words a child will form into a sentence are the words, by myself. My little three-year-old Will is saying that all the time. By myself, Daddy, by myself. I'm like, no. Like, if you'll just let me help you, you won't bang your head against the wall and have that big bruise. If, if you would just let me help you, I can, I can help you do that. No, Daddy, by myself. And sometimes we have to 
get some bumps and bruises and cuts and cry and have situations until we finally realize, you know what, it'd be a lot easier if I just asked for help. I hope I'm not the only one that's facing this right now because, you know, we're in this together and the last thing that I want you to ever think about me is that I've got it all together. My problem is, though, I just don't want to let you know how bad I need help. You know, we live in this this DIY culture, don't we? It's a do-it-yourself culture. And many of us, the things that we say a lot are, I got this, I can figure it out, I got this. Have you ever heard anything end well that started with the phrase, I got this? No, <laughs> it's, so, uh, it's so bad. Have you, have you ever seen those home remodeling shows before? You know, there's, they show this couple and they're so full of optimism, and then like halfway through the project, everything goes wrong. And it costs them all kinds of money and more time that they thought that they could spend on it. And it it seems to be the common theme. It costs them a lot more than they wanted to pay. And it takes them a lot longer than they thought it would take. And so it's the same way when we insist on doing things ourselves. We we can just expect that when we should ask for help and we don't ask for help, we're going to find ourselves in a position that becomes increasingly costly. And maybe... Just maybe us talking about this this morning will prevent someone else, prevent you or someone in your life from waiting too long to ask for help. You know, the Bible gives us a number of examples of how this wall, I can fix it myself, looks when we buy into this idea that we don't need help. In Genesis, there's a couple named Abraham and Sarah. We've talked about them a little bit this year. They're told they're gonna have a son who's gonna become like the beginning of this great nation. But Sarah, she's past the age of bearing children. And some time passes when God says that it's gonna happen and they get impatient and so they think, God needs our help. So what are we gonna do? This is what I'm gonna do. Abraham, go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. The young woman over here, go sleep with her. Have a child with her. Maybe that's the way we should do this thing. And if you've ever read that story, uh, it's, it's pretty jacked up. And if you haven't, just Genesis chapter 16, it's really interesting. And so, you know, the, the young woman gets pregnant, but then also eventually Sarah gets pregnant. And there's all kinds of drama and conflict in their, in their family, as you can imagine. And even today, I kid you not, thousands of years later, This is so true. Much of the conflicts in the walls between Muslims and Christians and Muslims and Jews can be traced back to Abraham and Sarah deciding we don't need God's help. We can fix it ourselves. Talk about a real life situation. And then 1 Samuel 13 is another example. You have this king, his name's Saul. And he's got a really good opportunity to, to attack the Philistines, but the window's closing, so he's waiting for Samuel the priest to come and offer sacrifices and ask God to help him before going into battle. That was something they did. But Samuel seems to be running late, and Saul's like, we're gonna miss our opportunity if we don't go after the Philistines. And so he doesn't wait for Samuel, and he doesn't wait for God's help, and he does it himself. And after this, God lets Saul know through Samuel, that because of his independence, because of his impatience of trying to fix it himself, that his kingdom is going to be given away to a shepherd boy named David. 
because he tried to fix it himself. In the New Testament, there's this group, there's these people called the Judaizers, and you probably haven't heard of them. I I didn't know a lot about them before preparing for this message. And one of their primary teachings went something like this, that Jesus is good, but he's not enough. They didn't listen to the song we sang earlier. They said, Jesus is good, but he's not good enough. You need to do it yourself. You need to earn God's love. You need to keep these right rules and right laws. Don't put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in your own works. And so the enemy tells them and us a lie that we can fix ourselves because he knows that if we buy into it for a while, everything eventually is gonna come crashing down. If we try to fix everything in our lives long enough, eventually we're gonna run into a problem that we can't fix, and then what are you gonna do? You know, here's what happens when we buy into this lie and build a wall. Number one, this wall increases pride. I don't need anyone or anything else. I gotta be real with you. I thought for a while that like I was the victim of all these circumstances that are going on in my life and I'm having this big old pity party and then I realized it's a bunch of pride that I don't wanna ask for help from anybody because I'm the minister, I'm the, I'm the one that's supposed to be helping everyone else but I'm the one who's got problems because I'm just a normal person, duh. Why, like, why am I such an idiot sometimes that I can't, Just like understand that in my heart that everybody has issues. Everybody has hard times. Well, it's because of my stinking pride. But then two, this wall minimizes real problems and challenges. And we look at things that are difficult and we say, well, that's nothing I can't handle. We look at our drinking problem or our spending problem or our anger problem or our marriage problem or our lust problem. And we say, it's not really that big of a deal. I can handle it myself. But then after that, after it's not that big of a deal, we build this wall eventually that leads to guilt. And that guilt, it says, I made the mess. I need to clean it up. I can't clean, I I have to do it myself because if I show someone how disgusting this mess is, they're not gonna wanna help. I'll just clean it up by myself. But after that, there's the fallout. I can't believe I let it get this bad. You'll hear doctors talk about this. You know, they'll have a patient come in, and if they only would have come in when the symptoms first started to surface, there could have been something that they could have done to help. But the guilt kept them away. They know that they shouldn't have started that bad habit. But when they saw the spot, or when they saw that there were some issues, they didn't ask for help. Here's another consequence. It robs authenticity in our relationships. I can't be vulnerable enough to admit that I need help. It's, I get it, it's hard to trust people because maybe many of us have been burned, but like for me, I wasn't even trusting my wife with this. I was going and my wife will go to bed at like 8.30 or 9 because she needs a lot of sleep, I don't know. She just likes to go to sleep early. But I, I'm kind of a night owl, and so I'll stay up and I'll sit downstairs and I'll watch Netflix or whatever. And I was having these panic attacks. And I just said, like Katie was like, why do you stay up for so long? I said, well, I just, you know, it's been a long day. I just like to be alone and calm down. 
and I lied to her. I didn't want to let her know what was going on because I figured she's got enough stuff on her plate. I don't want to add more. And so then when you finally tell the truth, they're like, why didn't you, why couldn't, why didn't you trust me with this? And I said, well, I didn't want to mess things up even more. But the last thing it does, when we build this wall that I can fix it myself, it fuels hypocrisy. We are such hypocrites. I know I am. I can't let anyone know how broken things really are because so we put a mask on and we pretend. We put up a good front so that no one will know we haven't successfully fixed these areas. And in reality, they're all broken. And we live like hypocrites. But here's the thing that I'm realizing, not that I've come to grips with totally. So I hope that we can be on this journey together. That God doesn't want any of us to live in isolation. No one. He doesn't want us to live in isolation. He doesn't want us to build walls that prevent us from having a relationship with him or with others. You know, recently I was reading the Bible and I came across a few verses that I hope that will encourage us this morning to reach out to others and to reach out to God when we need help. Um, on the screen, you'll find Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12. This is what it says. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So I told you a little bit about my wall, maybe your wall, that we're trying to fix it by ourselves. But the truth is that God has put people in our lives to help us, and our walls become weaker when we ask for help. The hardest part, though, is to call a counselor up and say, and to leave a message, that's like the worst part, because they never pick up. They're like, hey, uh, my name's Josh. I have a problem. Can uh, we get something scheduled? You know, like, it's so awkward. <laughs> like, um, here's my number, call me. And then they call you back, and you're like, you feel so exposed. But that first step, you start to take back that power, and you start to say, you know what, I can't fix it by myself, but I can do it with others. And so, you know, I was reading this scripture and it just reminded me, there's, I believe that there's five people in our lives that God wants to help us so we don't have to fix it ourselves. And I'm just gonna walk through it with you and I hope that it'll be encouraging. Number one, I think that we need a workout partner. Verse nine says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. You know, my brother and I, um, my brother's 24 and it's so, such a cool story. And man, if he's like gonna watch this sometime, like he's gonna hate me, but it's a good one. So like when he was in eighth grade, he was five foot three, 200 pounds. And he, um, he was that kid that sat in the basement and he played Call of Duty or Halo and ate bags of Doritos. That's just what he did. 
And after a while, like he had some health issues that he needed to deal with. You know, like when you're in eighth grade and you have, you know, possibly you could have diabetes in the future, you've got to change something, right? And he asked for help. And he got some people in his life that really changed the trajectory of where he's at today. And today, he's 24, he looks like a stinking G.I. Joe, and he is a CrossFit, like, level one certified guy. And uh, he, I'm no joke, I'm predicting it now, he'll probably be at the CrossFit Games next year. He's incredible. Now he's, like, five foot eight, 175 pounds, like, zero fat. But we started doing CrossFit together, and I know, like, that's not my story, so don't, it hasn't really helped all that much. But I realized that, like, when we started working out together back home, we worked, we worked out for a couple months together, and something that we would do to, like, really inspire each other to, like, be a good workout partner is that we would work out face-to-face. And every time we would do a, they call it a wad or a workout of the day, we would face each other, and we would compete and what I found more, more oftentimes than not was that I wouldn't beat him because he's just unbeatable for me, but I would always do better than if I was doing the workout by myself. And I think there's some truth to that in all of our lives is that we need a workout partner because two people are better off than one. It's so hard. Like maybe some of you are like amazingly you know, awesome self-starters who like to get up at 4.45 in the morning and go work out. That's not me. But if I know that my workout partner is gonna be there waiting for me and he's gonna be encouraging me and he's gonna be kicking my butt and making me better and when we write our results up on the board, you know, like that gets me going because I know I'm not alone and there's somebody that's helping me become better. I think in all of our lives, we need a workout partner, not just physically, but more like spiritually, more like emotionally, more like relationally. And maybe for you, that's your spouse. You know, maybe for you, that's a friend. Maybe for you, that's a parent or a coworker. I'm not sure. But if you don't have a workout partner in your life, I want you to consider asking God to bring someone in your life to be that person. That's what I'm asking for right now. And I'm, I'm believing that God is going to do that because, you know, I'm not with my brother right now. And I don't have that workout partner per se the one that I really feel like I need at times, like all the time, 24-7. And there are several people that have, you know, been so awesome, but I need, I need that workout partner. Do you need a workout partner? Another person that I think we all need is a base, B-A-S-E, base. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help, <clears throat> but someone who falls alone is in real trouble, you know, my wife, um, she grew up in, in, uh, as a little kid and as in high school and then in college, she was always a flyer and cheerleading. And I'm telling you, it doesn't matter how great of a flyer you are, like she could do all the tricks. If you don't have a good base, you're gonna break something, right, on the way down. And I really think that all of us need a base in our lives. For me, you know, that's been our small group. That's been on Sunday nights, we go to a couple's house and we, we just talk. You know, we've been starting this, this new series and, and it's really just kind of get to know each other. But through that, you know, we've been able to have a base. If there's something going on, if, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm feeling like, man, I'm kind of like lonely right now and I want to go have lunch with somebody, 
I'll text, I'll text a friend or, hey, you want to go play golf together? Or, hey, you want to get the kids together and play? Like, they've been a great base for us when we've been living in a place that, you know, we don't have that same base that we're used to back home. Be looking for a base. You know, maybe you have that right now, but maybe you feel like you're a flyer and you're like doing all these awesome tricks, but like when you're coming down, you don't feel like you have the base that you need. And I need you to know that there's a lot of people in this room that are great bases. I know that they are. And all you have to do is just turn around and say, you know what? Hey, my name's this. And not just during like the handshake greeting time that you're like, hey, how are you? You know what I'm saying? Because you're like, good, 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 good to see you. Peace, see you, bye. No, like seriously, like hang out for a little bit afterwards and like say, hey, you wanna hang out outside of school, church? Get a base. Ask me. Ask me how I can help you with that. You know, one of our issues with small groups, we had so many people sign up that we didn't have enough leaders this time. And we've got full small groups right now, but we need more leaders in the fall. And maybe one thing that you can do is say, I want to be a base for other people. Why don't you come talk to me afterwards? And I'd love to help you. Dave and I can help train you to become a future small group leader. And you can be a base in someone's life. Number three, a person that we need is a thermostat. You know, verse 11 says, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? For me, that person has been a guy named Chris Kellenberger. You know, he's a guy that comes up here and does announcements a lot. And, you know, he's a thermostat for me because anytime you're around Chris, you can't help but laugh and smile. And a thermostat sets the temperature in the room, right? It's not a thermometer that reveals what's going on. It's a thermostat that, that sets the temperature. And anytime like I'm down, I call Chris. And when I had a panic attack recently, I called Chris and he came over and he walked with it through me. And I will never forget for the rest of my life on a Sunday night when I had a friend come over and he helped me and he was my thermostat. And he just texted me, by the way. <laughs> that's, like, that's, that's the kind of guy he is. We need thermostats in our life. Number four, we need a tag team partner. I was a big wrestling fan growing up, so just go with me on this. Number 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. They're like, did you guys have like a favorite tag team growing up? I couldn't tell you like the names of them, but I always liked the tag team matchups because like you knew like right when they couldn't handle it anymore and they're like, you know, like this and they're like, there's like this moment of tension and then finally they're like, boom. And then the person comes in and they just go crazy and start doing all the moves and then one, two, three, done. As soon as that tag team was hit, that person would eventually come in and they would just win. You know, a person standing alone, they can be attacked and defeated. It's so easy to, to be overwhelmed by yourself, but two can stand back to back and conquer. And for me, that person's been my wife. But you know, her um, strength is not where she wants it to be. And so a lot of times, I think one of my problems of trying to fix it myself is I stay in the ring way too long and I don't tap out and say, I need help enough. Lastly, three are even better for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. You know, I hope this, um, you get this, you know, you've come here to church and you're expecting that there are Christ followers here, right? 
and you, you probably are, or you're exploring faith, and you're looking at Christ, and you're saying, I wonder like where he's at in my life. You know, I've found that while Christians are not better people necessarily, I think that they have a better perspective on circumstances because they see that the problems we're facing right now are temporary and that Jesus has ultimately taken care of it for our eternity. And that's how right now in this moment of being overwhelmed or whatever we're going through is that I can keep that perspective that like someday I'm gonna be in heaven and God's gonna make everything right that I've made wrong or the situations in my life that have gone wrong. But I, in the meantime, before I get to go to heaven, I need Christ followers in my life who can remind me that God's got this. Not I got this, God's got it. And I really believe that if we would surround ourselves, that if we would be the Christ follower in someone's life, that we could remind that person that, hey, God is working all things together for our good. Hey, you know, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Hey, I know that you feel weak, but in your weakness, he is strong. We need people that know that even though in temporary times, that God is working things out for eternity. And I just want to wrap things up this morning by reading you a verse from the book of Hebrews to let you know that, you know, there are a lot of people in our lives, these workout partners, these bases, thermostats, tag teams, and Christ followers that can help us, that we don't have to fix it by ourselves. But I need you to know that the reason that these people can help you is that one day, a long time ago, there was a man named Jesus that it says in Hebrews 4 that he lived on this earth and since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, that's Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. I need you to know as much as there's been some people in my life that have been helping me with these walls, the number one person that I've been talking to every day, his name is Jesus. And I've been saying, Jesus, would you just walk through this with me? Would you come inside of this house of walls that I've built and would you just help me have the courage to knock them down, to say this in front of people, to be honest, to say that I need help. And maybe you this morning are in the same situation that you wanna ask Jesus to for help. You wanna ask a pastor for help. You wanna ask somebody, don't leave today thinking that you can fix it yourself because that is the whole point of the gospel. The good news is that we don't have to do it ourselves. Jesus has already prepared the way and he's brought a lot of people here this morning that want to help you break down your wall. Would you pray with me? God, I thank you for the opportunity to be real and to be honest. Lord, it's a little bit, um, makes me really nervous. But I know, God, that it's not about me. It's about you, and it's about what you, what you want to do through our lives. And you want to knock down these walls, God. 
You want to show us that we don't have to fix them, that you've put people in our lives that they're meant to, to help strengthen us, to encourage us. And Lord, you've given us your son, Jesus. You sent him to earth so that you could break down the wall between us and you. Thank you, God, that we can come before you today and say we don't have it all figured out and we're, we need some fixing. God, would you come and bring healing now to those who need it the most? I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.